Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 18 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. I guess I should start out today by saying Happy New Year, but it doesn't really feel right to say Happy New Year. I know I'm not going to be having a Happy New Year, and I know that many of my listeners who are newly bereaved parents will not be having Happy New Year's either. I guess I could say have a less horrible new year or I hope your new year is a whole lot better than your last year was, but that just doesn't roll off the tongue in quite the same way. Today I am talking again with Eric, my husband, Andy's dad. You know, his episode was the very first one that I did and by far the most popular, so I guess I'll find out today if people listen because he's just amazing or because it was my first episode. Um, He is amazing, by the way. But we will be talking today about just this last year, 2019, and what we're thinking about for 2020, uh, some of the struggles we've had in the last few months, and some of the successes that we've had as well. So I hope you enjoy just listening to Eric and I talk about life without Andy. Well, hi, Eric. You're back on the show, episode 18. Yeah. Happy New Year, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Happy New Year. Um, And I guess that's kind of what we were going to talk about today is that new year and starting a new year and... You know, just all that entails. It's funny to me. It seems like last year, New Year's was harder than Christmas. And this year, I would say it's the same. I just, it's hard to start a new year without Andy. Yeah, no question. It, it I think I part of it, I think, is because you anticipate Christmas being tough. Yeah. And then New Year's kind of sneaks up on you. And then you realize, oh, i got to start another year. And then, you know, it's a decade. I mean, it's like. Right. Just totally different than what you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And as things go on with the kids, they get older and new, oh, I suppose, um, I'm not sure what the term is, but milestones are reached. You know, uh, you think about that they're not going to be reached with Andy and that he can't reach this himself. Like, you know, Catherine's going to college now. and Well, not now, but... She got accepted for college, and so you think about how would he'd have been, and that he would be next, and and then you know the thought of her not being around next year, and that's not how, you know, not how things were supposed to be. Yeah, I know. I've been thinking a lot about that. So, Catherine, just 
in the last couple weeks here, got into the University of Michigan, an early action, and and we've always gone to always Michigan State basketball games. And even though Eric went to the University of Michigan, he's you grew up in East Lansing, and we always did that. And so she's torturing her brother Peter <laughs> by saying she's going to Michigan and not Michigan State. And in my mind. I kind of always thought Andy would go to Michigan State. He's a huge fan, and I just felt like it should have been this big deal, right? We should have had Catherine at Michigan and Andy at Michigan State, and they should have had fun in that sibling kind of rivalry, and it just isn't going to happen. None of it's going to happen. I know. It's not right. It's... um. You know, I think it's probably the same for people who've had who've lost children who are little. You always project a future, even ones who lose people, lose you know, stillborns or toddlers or whomever. You know, that you you have an idea of what some rough idea, I guess, of what things are going to be like. And as you get closer to those, maybe milestones, you have an idea of. I bet it comes more into focus, right? Like specifically, you're thinking Michigan, Michigan State. Yeah. And I imagine you know you look at people who lose adult children too it's probably there are other things they're thinking about you know the a couple having a child or having great grandchildren or great-grandchildren or something you know I yeah I know I've had lots of moms talk to me about that too and and I know I had a hard hard time in this past month too that one of Andy's good good friends just got his driver's license and I felt like that's what we should have been doing. We should be out driving with Andy and and him trying to get better at driving so he could get that license and um, just all those milestones that aren't happening. It's uh, yeah, it's it's hard because it you feel like <coughs> you definitely feel the hole. I mean, we always joke we had a two-year plan and right, yeah, we had a kid every two years. We're gonna yeah. have as soon as Catherine graduated from high school, Andy be the one driving and getting Peter to school, and now that's you know changed as well and so that kind of makes logistics just a little bit more difficult too and i don't know just everything it's like everything nothing's just right yeah and to think about peter being the only kid at home next year it's crazy to me i just i can't imagine just having one you know Mm -hmm. we've just had Three or four, really, with our foster son kids in the house for quite a long time. And so to go to one. So you've been back at work now. Yeah. For six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. Oh, about two months, actually. Two months, yeah. The first month was kind of just sort of walk in. Yeah. And then um, you started having more of a regular schedule in addition to crazy walking because it's uh, yeah, kids, I've been actually working season. a ton. Um, I think I've been throwing myself into it in order to not think so much about the holiday and the upcoming stuff. Um, you know, I'm scheduled to work two days a week, and I've been working five. Yeah. <laughs> I've been going in every morning and doing our morning walk-in clinic. You know, flu season is hitting, and there's just lots and lots of sick kids, and so I've just been going an extra to see them. I think just to get 
my mind off of things now, you know? So, so I mean, last year you worked, mm-hmm. not this, not exactly this time of year, but pretty close. It was November, right? November uh, or October? It was October mainly. Yeah. And, and um, September, October. It was, it made things worse. Yeah. Working. Yeah. Do you think it's better now? I, you know, I think for the most part it's better. Um, you know, there are times when it's hard. There are times when I see kids on the schedule that are, you know, siblings of Andy's classmates or, you know, parents of Andy's classmates. It, it, those are hard. You know, somebody was wearing a t-shirt the other day that said Andy's something. And it clearly was like a t-shirt for somebody named Andy who had died like some sort of crew thing oh like some yeah but fundraiser I mean, thing yeah. something but i i certainly couldn't ask yeah. the question because i would have started sobbing i'm pretty sure and so i just didn't you know um so there are little things that will kind of trigger me throughout the day but i get through it all right you yeah. know do you I, think you're better than you were when before you started going back to work? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it like is it helpful? Do you think it's better to be there and than to not be there? I think so. Hmm. I think so. It's it's hard. Today's just a hard day. Yeah, you well, know, we're not today's working. New Year's and it's just hard and so I'm I'm having a hard time getting up and getting a good um attitude um, even to do this podcast today which is not great so hopefully you can help perk me up a little bit but um yeah but overall I think it's been good and I think the people at work think I'm better than I am I think there's no doubt about that yeah I think you're probably not as bad as you think you are either Uh, it's right it's hard to really I mean that it's hard to know subjective but it is you know the fact that you can get through the day and relatively unscathed i mean you're probably a lot better than you think you are you know in some i you're probably harder on yourself yes like you- no i i think that i just am pretty good at putting a mask on and getting through the day you know i think about what stephanie said to me the other day when people say how good she's doing and she will say just because i carry it well doesn't mean it isn't heavy And that's what I'm feeling like. I'm feeling like everything is heavy and I'm carrying it pretty well and I'm doing pretty well and people see me doing pretty well. That doesn't mean it's not awfully heavy and it just gets tiring. I mean, I would say that's, it just gets tiring. Do you find it more tiring? I'm actually interviewing you here, but uh, do you find it more tiring at work uh, than when you're just like at home? Or is it just hard all the time? You know what I mean? It's because in some because it clearly was a lot worse for you to be at work and to try and oh it was to hide terrible, it or to get yeah. out in public or do whatever. And you know even this time you mentioned you had trouble going out shopping and stuff. But like I felt like even with Christmas, it was it, it was not a bad day. I thought it, <laughs> you say that I was puking all day, so, so I was me, sick yeah, all day. So let me clarify: uh, Christmas Eve. <laughs> Which is when kind of celebrated, you know, presents yeah, Christmas and all Eve stuff. was okay. It was like a really, it was actually kind of a pleasant time. Yeah, it was okay. 
Yeah. yeah we I mean, were we were up north. I um, busied myself with a lot of cooking, I would say. I mean, I did have a time when I went down in the boys' room and I just cried, but it wasn't it wasn't long and we did get through stuff pretty good. And then that night then I started getting yeah, horribly well. sick and then the whole next day I was just throwing up. So that was not fun. But the only is the whole next day was a couple of days. But yeah. Um <laughs> but I feel like uh I feel like the day itself was actually pretty good. And I thought like even during a present opening and all that kind of stuff, it felt like there was some like laughter real laughter and joy and stuff that was that I didn't think that a, the year before that would be like this this Christmas. I just yeah. spent a lot of time pondering it. But you know, I mean it's not it wasn't it wasn't as heavy as it was the year before. No. And honestly, even me being so sick, it was um, a big distraction that way. You know, you don't think about yeah, missing Andy as much when all I'm thinking about is, you know, how far away from the bathroom I am. And it was a little touch and go, sleep. for sure. Yeah, it was. It was. That was an interesting infection you had. It, this is, well, and this is what I get for working every day, right? That's what I told them at work. I volunteer to work. And see sick children every day for five days in a row. And then this is my reward. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, in contrast to you, I think this last month has been a lot worse for me. Yeah. At work. I mean, it's been a really... And it sort of starts kind of around... I mean, it, it, Halloween is is bad Yeah. for the about two weeks leading up to Halloween. But people don't talk about Halloween a whole lot. But it's... Uh, especially once you hit Thanksgiving... And even the week before and kind of all the way through, it's really bad. I mean, the OR is a really bad place to be. And just because just everyone's, everyone's talking about Christmas. Yeah. And it's people are talking about the stuff that you, I talked about two years ago or whatever, you know, where you run around, do it, trying to get everything done. Oh, and, yeah. That's and, kinda... you know, the complaining about making sure everyone has the same amount of presents and making sure or whatever, you know, all the sort of the. The complaining about the busyness of the season. Just, yeah. And yeah. just the fact that all this stuff's happening and you're trying to find this toy or whatever it might be and um it makes it really it's just really hard to be to be there around people talking about this because i can't avoid those conversations and they're happening and i would and i don't say anything i mean occasionally i can chime in but for the most part it it's sort of just you got to just let it go and um it makes it really hard i mean that's that was the hardest part about work because usually i found find work is not a bad place where you know you just it's a somewhat of a distraction, but it was it was the opposite of a distraction in the season, and so that's why actually it's very nice that the year's over because now we won't be talking about stuff that's gonna that's gonna remind you daily about family stuff. I mean, there's still people talk about their kids and doing things and whatever, but yeah, it's just not as much of a sort of a community sort of we're all doing the same thing, so we're not we don't have that that common bond of we're all not all doing, you know, I might be busy with soccer and someone's busy doing something else. And so now we don't have that common thing the where mine is my holiday and my, and my, what I'm used to doing or used to do a couple of years ago is now so different. It, it's just, it's broken. And right. so, and uh, it's not for them. And, and at my office, I didn't get that as much only because, um, We've just been so busy because there have been so many sick kids. And who do I spend the most time with, actually? Not the staff. It's talking to the patients. And they are all unhappy 
in general, sick, sick children yeah, because right. they are sick. And it so it doesn't make it a real bad place to be around, you know, to be around sick kids, actually, because I can try to make them feel a little bit better, see if I can make things a little bit better. But things are going badly. Unlike with you, people are talking about these very kind of upbeat, happy things. Mm-hmm. Um, and with me, it's, you know, I do get the questions of, do you think I'll still be able to go to Christmas? Is he right. contagious? Yeah. Whatever. I mean, those are the kinds of questions I'm getting. No one's talking about their <clears throat> upcoming wonderful. I mean, I had somebody that was like leaving for Colorado to go skiing the next day or something, but the kid was so sick <laughs> with his breathing and asthma. I was thinking, he probably shouldn't even go and he definitely can't ski he's gonna have the most miserable little vacation ever but it's it's almost easier which is weird because I don't want people to have a bad time on their vacation or whatever but but it doesn't it's not as in your face I think as it would be for you yeah it's it is um it's hard because everyone I think I've just been, since I've been president for so long and I, you know, you say it's a mask or whatever, but I can just be quiet and not say anything for a while. And I don't often talk. It's not like I talk all the time in the OR or anything like that. I mean, I'm an anesthesiologist. I'm not exactly known for <laughs> profuse talking. Uh, so, uh, you know, I can sort of check out for an hour or two and it doesn't really, no one really notices as long as I do my job and yeah, you know, I can just sit back there quietly and behind ether screen some oftentimes. Um, but anyway, that's just one thing I noticed that this last year is just this last month. month or so. And so it's very nice that it, that's finally done. We're 2020 and we can do, do, you know, a whole year of ophthalmology jokes. So that's always a good thing too. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh yeah. That's going to be fun for you. Right. Yeah. I, er- I'm Eric waiting for the a master of puns. He likes to tell them all the time. I don't laugh nearly as much as I used to. In fact, I don't laugh much at him at all. I try to. On the magic, to the magic of our marriage has been lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm waiting for the LASIK surgery billboard. You know, it's time in 2020 to start seeing 2020. I keep, I know it's coming. I just am waiting yeah. for it. Well, at some point it'll hit, I'm sure. You got to talk to somebody about it and make sure. I mean, I don't think it's that, it's not that complicated a joke. So I think there'll be no, plenty of ophthalmologists. Who come might, up with it. They might not think of it on their own. Um, so as far as that, the new year stuff goes, you know, last year, I know it was hard just because we were leaving the last year that Andy was alive. And so I felt like having 2018 be done was super hard. So I know a lot of people who are listening have had that. You know, that 2019 was their year to lose their loved one and their child. And that, you know, going on to 2020 without them is a big deal. I I know I felt that way last year, and I didn't think I would feel that way as much this year. But yet again, we found ourselves pretty sad last night as it hit midnight, didn't we? Yeah, it was... It was uh same old feelings kind of, I, you know, I've always been sort of nostalgic and when I, I would cry or get a tear up at least when I see old pictures of the kids when they're little and stuff, even, you know, when they're all fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. And just remember them back when they're 
four or five or doing something. And so it's hard for me. It's just you feel just robbed that you can't form new new memories or have new experiences. And and that's just that's just a hard thing, just going through another year where things just aren't right. And at some point, I don't know if it'll feel right, but it's going to feel less wrong. Yeah. And it's better. I mean, it's still much better than it was a year ago. Yeah. You're in, I mean, no it's so much easier. Cause, I mean, in many ways, you, you're just in so much better place than you were. Yeah. But I feel kind of guilty about that sometimes, too. Yeah. I feel like I shouldn't. I feel like, oh, shoot, I should just stay the same forever and miss him the same forever. I mean, I know that's not right. I know it's not. Mm-hmm. But there's a little bit of me inside that just feels a little guilty about sure. it. Sure. Yeah, because you feel like if you let go of the sadness and stuff that you're letting let go, go of him. Let go of him. Yeah. Which, obviously, we don't want to do. We don't want to let go of him at all. But you can't be miserable forever. You can't. It's not fair to... It's not fair to you. It's not fair to my, the rest of my family. It's not fair to our kids. It's not fair to coworkers, you know, to to carry all that around. I mean, I think... I don't know. There's, I, I don't know exactly what the right balance is. But it's... Yeah. But there has to be a balance. Because I do want to remember him, too. And I don't want him to be forgotten. And... And we are able to do some kind of cool things in his memory that um, we'll be able to have him live on in a way. And that'll be nice, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got a the concert that will be coming up at the end of March. There, the Grand Rapids Choir of Men and Boys is starting their... Um, it's going to be every other year they're going to have their Andy Larson Memorial Concert. And so this first year, it's the last Wednesday in March, I think, 26th or something. But anyway, the, the, there's a men and boys choir coming from England, or a boys choir coming from England that will be singing, and our boys will sing with them. So that will be cool. Um, it's something that was actually in the works uh, as a possibility, even when Andy was alive. And I remember Andy saying to Peter, lucky because <laughs> Peter was going to get a sing in it and Andy knew he would be too old and his voice would have changed by then so um, so it is kind of neat that the memorial money from his funeral and stuff will help actually make that happen so he's actually going to make that happen um, that it certainly may not have without this horrible accident so that's cool yeah I don't know. You try to, you know, I try to look on kind of some of the bright side on some things and see some good come of of something so horrible. Can you think of other things that you try to think about in a positive way? I don't have much that I think. I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't. I mean, there's the sort of generalized that, you know, you're a better person. Yeah. Better doctor. I can, I definitely, I never thought of myself as not empathetic to patients. Um, but I definitely feel more, and I, I, um, I'm more acutely sensitive to pain and um, it's psychological pain and suffering for suffering, people. Suffering, yeah. And that's, even when I watch, you know, read a story or something i mean i you just can't help but be affected by it more um and just 
I mean, you can obviously relate, right? It's like anything. As soon as you've experienced it yourself, it's a lot easier to relate to someone else who's suffering in some manner, right? I mean, you, it's never exactly the same, whatever no. it is. But but you can you see the the human tragedy and the, the suffering more than you used to. And just think about it differently. I mean, so many. I mean, with these shootings and all of this stuff happening in the world that often gets on the news now that you see, you know, right in front of you on your little phone with a news feed. I just immediately go to that family. I think about the family that's left behind and how today is their worst day ever. And I just, all the time, my mind just immediately jumps there to this was somebody's worst day ever. Oh, yeah. And when you see... I mean, how many times you see a car accident reported and someone dies at 25, 30, whatever years old. And it is really like a one sentence story. It's yeah. not, yeah. It, it is somewhat of interest. And it sort of goes back, it reminds me of the whole sentencing in some ways because, you know, the judge spoke about, you know, there were people in our, who wanted more punishment for the, for the driver who's, who struck our van. And the judge's point, which is, I think, a really good one, but it's not one that's easy to accept, is whatever the punishment is, it won't change anyone's behavior. No one's it won't stop. change what happened. No one's, well, it won't change, obviously it won't change what happened. It won't fix that problem, because that still would have happened. But, you know, justice or whatever it is you want, it, it you know, if you want to send a message, fundamentally, I don't think it, it doesn't change anyone's behavior. No one's going to drive differently. I mean. Yeah. I mean, you can say... Pay attention when you're driving, but people will pay attention or other yeah. people won't pay attention, and it's not going to make a bit of difference if that woman went to jail or didn't go to jail. I mean, no, that didn't make the news at all anyway, so. No, it didn't. But, you know, I, I on some level, I wonder if it would have had we made it a big deal. Like, had we made a, we could have, we could well, have Well, we could have contacted there. the media, I guess, and said the sentencing was going to be, but I don't know. We could have, we and we could have complained about it. I mean, you know, there's, there are things you could have done well, to make, yeah, it, to make a bigger so. deal about it. Um, it just wasn't worth it, though. No. But I think, you know, it, looking at that, just looking at you from, from last year, we went, the one difference is, I mean, obviously we're farther up from, from the accident, um, but the. The biggest difference with you is that, that just that anger, you just don't have it anymore. No. no. And and that's what I've, that was what was so hard. Is, what? Is just, just the anger you carried. Yeah, yeah. And Just in our relationship, and, you mean? And, well, just in general. Yeah. I mean, and so it was. It was hard for me, too. I mean, I hated being angry well, like that. Yeah. It's just not me. It's not my personality. I'm, I'm just not an angry person. But it was really hard to let go of that, especially until we had that sentencing done. It just, I just needed so much of that to be done in order to be able to let go of it. I tried. Mm -hmm. I would try to let go of it, but then I just grasped right back onto it again. You were, I would say, though, coming up to the sentencing, you were pretty close to being done with it, though. Like you had come a long ways from, from even like January, February, you weren't in a good place still as far as the anger and just no go so well and 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 honestly i got more angry the more time went on because at the beginning yeah, i was right. just way too much in shock actually i i was too shocked to be angry i mean those 
like when I went back to work that first time, which was what, six, seven weeks after the accident, I don't think I was really angry then, but I just didn't even know what was going on. I mean, I just, I was numb and in shock and hardly feel, I mean, it's so funny to say I was numb because I cried all the time, all like all the time, but still I would cry and cry and cry. And then the next second I would be like, I didn't believe it. And anytime I wasn't crying, it's because I didn't think he was even gone. And when I would realize he was gone, then I would start crying. So it, but I, I wasn't angry. I was like numb or sad. And then as time went on, I just got more upset. And I think a lot of that was that court process, though, and how it just kept going on and going on. And I kept thinking it was going to be resolved, and it wasn't. And then I would get more angry and more angry and more angry because it wasn't. And I was feeling like, you know, she wasn't accepting responsibility for her actions. and That she was responsible for our legal system moving so slowly. Right? Well, because there were right. delays and there were things that, you know, and her part of them were her, was her attorney, though. I mean, there were oh, delays yeah, sure. with that. There were delays that originally were not her fault at all. Just the investigation took forever, like months. I mean, I remember at the beginning them saying, well, this process may take four months. And I thought, four months? How could it possibly take four months? This is so cut and dry. There's no way it will take four months. And, you know, we were... 11 and uh, 10 and a half months, 10 and a half months before it was done. So <laughs> way more than four. Yeah, I don't know. Well, and you can only imagine had it gone to trial too. I mean, I, I think about if someone, if it had been a murder or had some sort of, well, I mean, had it gone to trial, right? You're now talking yeah. about another six months probably. Probably. And I can't imagine things getting dragged out that long where it's really... And honestly, had we gone to trial, I don't think I would have been able to let go of that anger until that was done. Well, you would have been because mad because it had gone to trial. Right? Oh, I mean, yeah. That, right. So, yep. Yeah. I mean, yep. that, and I can only imagine what the families who have to go through all that. Oh, um, I know. You know. I, It'd I, be horrible. Yeah. That's the one thing. It's funny because, you know, I, I hear you hear a story of something happens and you're like, well, I was lucky. It was yeah. just, you know, it was just one kid. Yeah, I didn't lose my spouse too, or yeah, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't my fault. You know, there are all kinds of things that could have made it a lot worse. And I, I don't know if that's like a looking at the bright side of things or, but I you read about other stories like the woman kayaking and her whole family drowns or something. All that's left is her. Or something. I mean, you yeah. just imagine yeah. these horrible accidents. Uh, or someone. It, it's funny. Um, we we I have someone that I know whose son broke his leg he was like at a a practice at an athletic practice and he he broke his leg and it was bad I mean he needed to have two different surgeries in two days and she she was putting on Facebook this was uh, a parent's worst nightmare to get this call from the coach and my first thought was no it wasn't that was definitely not the worst call you could have gotten. This is not your worst nightmare. I can tell you it's not your worst nightmare. But then I immediately went to, and you know, that paramedic saying he couldn't save Andy isn't the worst thing I could have heard either that day. Right. 
right? The worst thing would have been had you died and Peter died and Andy died. If you all died in the car or if, heaven forbid, Catherine and Valeriano had been in the car and they'd have died in the car, that actually would have been my worst nightmare. So it was funny because I didn't just jump to, you don't know the half of it. That is not a parent's worst nightmare. I know you had to go through surgery, but your son is alive. I immediately jumped way further to the point where this I didn't even experience a parent's worst nightmare now. I personally didn't. Yeah. There could have been worse things that happened. So it does change your perspective a ton because I've definitely heard that phrase, you know, parent's worst nightmare, mother's worst nightmare, things were worst nightmare. And most of the time it's not. Right. It's like, your cat has pneumonia or something, right? Yeah, I know. I know. Although, interestingly, I'm doing totally fine with that. You know, last year, um, I really had a problem when I was trying to see patients. And she they had anger came issues in. last year. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. It was like, you know, coming in <laughs> with a little cold or a little something and or nothing, like fever for three hours or something, and it would just get really irritating to me or you know somebody coming in that couldn't get their kid to go to sleep at night or something they they just would kind of frustrate me and they would frustrate my partners actually too my partners had a hard time after Andy died too with some of that little stuff and now I don't have that same perspective at all I think I just think so much about you know how worried that parent was to bring them in even when it isn't a big deal, they're really worried. And I just have so much more compassion for that worry and being able to help try to calm that down. And parents do. Oh, here's the clock going. Everyone can hear the clock now. <laughs> but parents do um, s- get really freaked out with pneumonia, for example. Yeah, sure. And we've diagnosed a ton of pneumonia in the past couple of months and um with that i feel like i can really calm them down and be more reassuring even than i used to before yeah well i I think no question it makes it changes how you are practicing medicine i i feel like i noticed the change from last year is that you know, there's so many times you go to the restaurant or go someplace and you'd see people with three kids. You'd say, yeah, I know. you should be so thankful you have three and not two or whatever. Or um, and now I hear things like that same comment, like someone just freaking out about something because it is the worst thing that they've had happen. Right. And then I think to myself, I'm so glad that's the worst thing. That yes. you think could happen. And I yeah. hope that that's the worst thing that ever happens. Yes. You know, yes. Knowing yes. that it's probably not the case. It'll probably be, you know, we all experience right. suffering. But, and stuff. but you're, you're very right on that. So the fact that that was the worst, her worst nightmare as a parent, good. I'm glad that that, that you don't have other nightmares of things that could be worse and that are worse. Um, because it's not a great way to live, honestly. I mean, knowing that any second it can just change, right? And so, you can lose a child because it, you know, it doesn't mess with you. <laughs> it messes with me. Well, and I want to say that um, one of the things that was surprising, and I think I mentioned this too last time we talked, is that 
fear, uh, fear is the surprising emotion that kind of came out of um, losing Andy. And I don't feel like, looking back from a year now, I don't feel like I carry that fear at all, almost at all. I mean, maybe at times it crosses my mind that something's happened, or, but for the most part, it's really not there anymore. And it was for it was for quite a while that the fear of further loss, I think, is 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 yeah. mainly what I the main the one fear I think that would surprise me again the most that you're always worried about losing someone else, right? Right. And I don't have that anymore, and I don't know. Do you I, feel like that's pretty much gone for you too? I would not say it is gone for me. It's not, but it is not as overwhelming to me because it used to almost paralyze me. You know, Catherine would drive somewhere at nighttime and she wouldn't be home when I thought she was going to be home. And I immediately would jump to something's happened. She's been in an accident, you know, Mm -hmm. or you coming home late and me not knowing where you were, me not knowing where people were, it I would immediately always jump to the worst thing. And I still certainly have a fear of bad things happening. And I think that's, you know, I'm nervous about Catherine going away to school. I'm so happy that she is going to be in the same town that your sister is. You can't even, I mean, I can't even tell you how happy I am about that because of that fear because I still do have that fear and her being alone and her knowing just knowing that there'll be someone close by um but it isn't every single day and I don't jump there right away like I used to how much does an accident bother you when a car accident you pass oh a lot do you still have trouble getting by oh I still have a lot of trouble and I didn't tell you this but a couple months ago I was driving with Peter down one of the roads near our house and I don't know where we were coming from but anyway there was it must have just happened there's a car on its side in the intersection and there are two other cars that were clearly involved in this, this accident and and we stopped for just a little bit but then the light changed and we kind of just were able to get around the accident but I mean people were sort of like getting out of the cars walking around and stuff and I thought well I'm of no help right at this point anyway and Last thing I want to do is stop here. And I was hoping Peter didn't really see things. And I don't know that he really did see a car on its side. And I mean, it was, it was a bad accident. I think everyone was okay. Um, and I was going to mention to you and then I just forgot or something. But Well, um, honestly, but I'm glad a, you didn't because well, I, I <laughs> you know, I went, I went to visit with my friends Stephanie and Megan and it was snowy and they live clear across town and I passed three accidents on the way and I just I mean I was so bothered I was like feeling like I couldn't breathe I was really upset about it then I get off the freeway and I'm following an ambulance okay that had its lights on sirens going going down the road now I'm not it's going some faster than me but not a ton because the roads are bad You know, so even an ambulance cannot drive really fast when it's snowing and the roads are bad. And all of a sudden, the ambulance turns its lights off and its siren off. And what do I think? Well, obviously, whoever they're going to save is dead. dead Or or there's the patient who was in the 
in the ambulance who they were transporting has died and now there's no reason to go fast and that's what I went to immediately now it easily could have been a different ambulance went they didn't have to go anymore they were called off but that's not where my head went my head went somebody's dead because you know so many ambulances at our accident I think when we looked at the accident report I mean, there were tons. There was an ambulance for you and me. There was an ambulance for Peter. There was an ambulance for the people that hit us. There were an ambulance for the people ahead of them. I mean, and everybody would have had their sirens on except that ambulance that had to take Andy. Yeah. That took Andy to the morgue. So, you know, I, it just, you just, my thoughts still go there. So I think you're better than me on that front. Um, but it's still not quite as bad. It's funny because, you know, I, I never, it never would have occurred to me that, to think that unless I had sat down and thought about it more, but like, you know, my initial reaction would be like, oh, they must have been called off. Yeah. That's and, not mine at all. And still my, and still my thought would be that right now. Really? Yeah. It's real interesting. I wouldn't, I mean, when you mentioned, I'm like, oh, well that, of course that would be another reason. Although I'm not sure what protocol is for EMTs and ambulances and sirens and stuff, but, um, it's, it's just very interesting. It, it's sort of like just like after Andy, I just assumed he was going to be okay. Yeah. And yeah. you and no matter what the situation was, even before Andy, you would have assumed things were not going to turn out well. That's that's generally been I feel like that's been a different our difference in our personalities from. Well, that could be, and that and that goes to my past too, right? Were you like that before your mom died? I wonder, or if you've always been a hope for the best, expect the worst person. I I don't know really yeah. because I mean, you're a because kid. honestly as when you get to you know how you're thinking more of it as an adult you're in your teens and by the time I was in my teens yeah. all that had stuff had happened so yeah you know I remember thinking that you know hope for the best expect the worst kind of thing um, but that was after my mom was sick so. I don't know how I would have been. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, even when that happened, when, you know, when we were in the accident and they were doing CPR on Andy, I didn't think he would die. I mean, I, that's the words I said to you were, is he going to be okay? Because that still was, I mean, it didn't, even though I am kind of a little bit of a look on the, <laughs> look a little more negatively and some of that I didn't think he would die I mean I was shocked shocked still when they came in and said he was dead yeah no I mean I thought he was going to get to the hospital I thought oh sure sure I, I mean you never did I think yeah. I would not get to hold him again yeah Ah. Uh. It's not fun to talk about that stuff again. I think I'm not. <laughs> Should have been in a more upbeat mood today, maybe, to do this, but it's okay. I think I it's mean, okay. It's where you are. Yeah, it's being honest, I guess. I know I talk to, um, I've talked to my friends more and when I say I'm having bad days on the the show here, I feel like 
I shouldn't do that. I feel like I should always try to be uplifting and encouraging. And I do want to do that. I mean, I'm doing that at work. That's the whole point of the podcast is to try to give people some help and some healing. But, you know, friends of mine have said, you know, you need to, you can show your vulnerability too. And you can show your downsides too. And it just can make it more real. Well, I mean, it's a sad thing. It is a sad (laughs) thing. It is a sad thing. Yeah. No, it's actually, you know, I've, the last outside of last month you know people come up to me and the people who would ask you how you're doing would they not ask you how you doing like saying hello but actually asking you know how you're doing um i was always it was easier to answer and talk about it it was it's been again this last month has been tough because i think because people expect you to be doing so much worse to be doing poorly at least i've noticed that because again i see people who i work with but i don't work with every day and so i see them once a week or once every other week. And so yeah. they kind of seen me for the first time for a while. And so it's, it's a more honest question uh-huh. and, and it's one where they, they're looking for an update <laughs> and it's been harder this last couple of weeks. I don't really know what to say because yeah. I know they ask and I guess the expectation, they expect me to be saying not great. Yeah. But they never know what to say next either. Right. It's like, it's almost like you're kind of real, like reliving the the, the death again, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the I don't know how the conversation should be because I feel like lots of times people have a curiosity and sort of how you deal with things and you know how are you doing, but it's not a it's more of a discovery question on sort of the process of grief and stuff. And recently, it's been sort of like just you know how are you doing, <laughs> and it's a lot, and just saying well I'm just surviving or something, and it's kind of. It, it's like there's nothing else to say in the conversation because that's pretty much it, which is okay, but it feels awkward for me. I'm sure it's awkward for them because it's they what they asked and they wanted to know, but then they're sort of like not sure what to do. Then they don't know what what to say next, and mm-hmm. I don't know there probably isn't anything to say. Well, and with me too, I mean, as you said, the first month I was at the office, almost a month, three weeks, I didn't see any checkups or anything. I just saw only sick kids, and and I'm primarily seeing sick kids now because I've been just doing so much of that walking clinic, but I have been doing more checkups and on my kids and some of those patients, you know, want to give me a hug and want to know how I'm doing. And some just look at me, the parents, not the, not the kids. Yeah. The kids, not so much, but the parents and then other ones just look at me almost a little bit, like, especially if I see them when I walk into walk into walk-in clinic and they don't know they're going to see me, they'll have this almost, like, horrified look, like, I have no idea what to say to her. What do I say to her? Um, and then I've got lots of them coming in. They've got little kids that are, like, eight months old or ten months old, and they go, oh, we've never seen you before. Are you new? Like, yeah. nope. But I'm kind of new to you because I haven't been here since your child was born. But um, so so people do feel a little awkward, too, although I've had some really great conversations, too. And I mean, one of my moms, I think, hugged me three times in the visit. Um, Once after her kids had gone out, she sent her kids 
to walk towards the waiting room and she said she'd been thinking about me a lot because when she was in sixth grade, her best friend died. And so it just seemed so much more real to her because she had experienced that as a friend and she had just spent the day with that friend's sister. So she obviously stayed close with the family afterwards. So, but it's different when you have that kind of different perspective then you handle it differently too. Well, you have a, your relationship with your with your patients and their families is a lot different than mine. So, so my patient interactions are really superficial. I mean, they don't oh, know anything yeah. about me. I will talk about things occasionally, but it's I'm very, I'm usually fairly careful not to get into family family stuff because mm-hmm. I don't I'm comfortable telling people. Um, yeah, but I don't know that they're comfortable with me telling them that because. And I, frankly, Especially right before they're going to have surgery. Right. right. I'm a little concerned that they might be worried that, you know, I've lost my yeah. kid. They're like, you know, is this guy's head in the right place? Or or just put them in just where they're just uncomfortable. Like just in a conversation, people, they got all kind of million things going in their head. And the last thing they need to do is have a conversation about grief with someone, right? You know, that they, whom they don't know. So right. it's not right. fair to them. So I, but, and I have close relationships with the people I work with, but nothing like probably it's different relation than you have with the patients and their families. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's one of why people go to primary care to have that, that relationship, especially when you have similar family experiences and parental concerns and things like that. You go, since you've got a family that you've been through a lot of things or are going to go through some things that other people have gone through that you haven't yet hit. Although now with the kid going to college, we're pretty much yeah outside of, experiencing the, the adulthood sort of thing we've yeah. sort of the regular sort of things you see as a pediatrician you've kind of seen it all at this point right right because once they hit <laughs> about the age Catherine is now I would like them to move on and see an adult doctor so yeah, yeah so I'm kind of experiencing it all now so and on a positive note I don't know how much time we have but I would say you know a lot better than last year and looking back last year to what it'd be like a year later yeah. Better yeah. than what I thought for sure. Yeah, I know. I thought there's, especially, you know, if that first, that first meeting we had or whatever, the small group where this like, well, it's 10 years and now I'm finally okay. Yeah. And thinking there's no way I can go 10 years. This feeling bad. like this. And, mm-hmm. and the, and there are definitely times when it hits you and it's intense and, but it's, they're not, I would say not even every day. I mean, I can go a couple of days without it being sort of really bothering me too much. Um, just depends on what's going on. And then you have four days in a row that does bother you, but there are yeah, and things yeah, so you yeah. can't do. And there's still things that need to be done that haven't been done that, you know, we'll yeah. eventually get around to. Yeah. But if, as long as your hand's not forced. That but pile of clothes still sitting in our bedroom. Pile of clothes in our bedroom, yeah. yeah. I think at some point we need to figure out. And I How that to that's do something needs to be that. sorted through. I know. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I was thinking that too, you know, last year I stopped working in kind of earlyish November and in my mind I was like, okay, I'm going to take a couple months off after the first of the year, I'll go back. And then, um, Michelle, my friend Michelle, who's been on, had to have knee surgery and so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to help take care of Michelle. And then when Michelle goes back, I'll go back. 
And I did. I went, I mean, I arranged meals for her. I went over and I did spend a good amount of time with her because um, I think I felt I need, felt useful. And initially she thought she'd be able to go back at six weeks, which she couldn't. Um, so she had went back longer. And I kept thinking, okay, when she goes back, I go back. And then it got to the point where she was going to go back. And then it was... Oh, like three weeks until Andy's birthday and Easter. I thought, well, I can't do that. So I just kept pushing it off and pushing it off. And at points in time, I would think, this is never happening. I'm never going to be good enough to get back. Like I would just keep pushing the date back and pushing the date back. And then it got to spring. And then Peter asked me if I could stay home still the summer. And so then, you know, so then I'm doing that and I, it just got to this scary place where like, I don't know that I'm ever going to go back. I don't know that I'm ever going to get better enough. And it is really nice that I did. I mean, it really has made a huge difference in how I'm doing on a day-to-day basis, I'd say. What made you decide to go back? Well, honestly, I started feeling a lot better after I started doing this podcast. Really did. It really gave me a place to put the grief um, because that's what I needed. I needed a place to put it because when I didn't put it somewhere, I couldn't focus it on something. It just would just be everywhere it just felt like it was all around me like a fog and this way I just focus it in one direction and I know that I'm having time that I'm going to deal with it so even as we sat down to do this podcast today I like immediately started crying and and which I hadn't cried today but I immediately started crying when we started talking about it because this is when the grief comes up for me this is when I deal with it I talk about it and I you know try to improve and um, with myself you know Mm -hmm. and that is just that really helped me heal I mean it really did it helped me to be able to focus things and I've talked to a lot of other moms that are the same way whether it's you know, it's not always a podcast, but it's just something that they can do to focus that grief one way so it doesn't feel so overwhelming in everything. So your advice would be to other people then is that if your husband comes to you with some <laughs> harebrained idea for doing a podcast, starting a business of some sort, that you support them. And, and you uh, say okay, and you say because you don't know how that may come in that may that may come handy later on in life. That's why you asked me that question, isn't it? Because you knew the answer would ultimately be because of you. I didn't actually know that I was <laughs> I didn't I was not leading you, but I'm glad that it went that way. So that um, also a good question too would be because I'm sure people are wondering the person who does the enroll and the outroll for your show, <laughs> do you, are they adequately compensated? They paid well. That's I'm. I mean, I know you've probably got lots of letters about that. And yes. Emails, yeah. If you're concerned about that or looking for voiceover work from that, from that. So I don't know if you. 
Well, you know, for anyone who would be interested in hiring that person that does my in-roll and out-roll, he does work pretty cheap. Um, I do have to cook for him and do his laundry. Um, but, you know, other than that, I think you don't – he doesn't uh, require a lot more, actually. Do you know if his rates are changing anytime soon? Well, I think you got the work – once as long as yeah that's true i don't really need to re-record it it's been done so yeah it's probably good to trademark or i don't know what the term would be i guess probably make sure you get royalties is probably the term right so I that's was, what that person who did my stuff should do next time so my advice for people who provide work uh, <laughs> to make sure you sign and get good contracts i'd recommend a good attorney for royalties um since i'm never gonna be some of the writing songs and stuff but yeah okay all right well that's some good advice to for all listeners who want to uh hire a voiceover actor or whatever we'll just call them talent (laughs) need to hire some talent yes yes well um and you know you can always contact me i guess at uh um, marcy at annie's mom.com if you need that talent and there's email the talent right at Mar- or no, that <laughs> oh no that hasn't been that has not been done yet i could come up with that one i guess but we'll probably hold off for now maybe some other terms you'd use i suppose all right well thanks eric for talking to me and uh helping to lift my spirits a little bit today on a day that uh, wasn't feeling so that i wasn't feeling so chipper yep bye-bye bye thanks for listening to losing a child always andy's mom please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player we are always looking for new show ideas if you'd like to be a guest know someone who'd be a great guest or have a show idea please email us at marcy at be sure to visit the webpage andysmom.com for more content including marcy's blog There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.